Hey there friends, it's Nick. So I've just finished watching the first half of season four of Stranger Things, which I've talked about before on the podcast, the Duffer Brothers who came up with it, Sean Levy, who directs most of it, I think. These guys are fantastic storytellers and I particularly love season one. Season two was, was even better, fantastic. Season three, maybe not quite as good, but it had some fantastic highlights and still you know, something that I love, my wife loved, my kids loved. I mean, it's, it's just been a great show. So was very excited for season four, which is also really good, I would say. But I want to talk about one of the things that, that happens in the first episode of season four, because it's, it's related to something we've talked about before, which is pattern interrupts. Pattern interrupts are one of the ways in which we grab attention. We grab our audience's attention when we're telling a story. And it happens because in, this is a typical example, in some kind of environment that is familiar, something unusual happens. And, you know, the simplest possible example of that, I guess, is that in, you know, if you hear a loud bang behind you, whatever you're doing, the part of your brain that is responsible for keeping you alive, grabs your conscious attention and focuses it on the noise. And it will keep it that way until we understand either what the noise is, is it someone dropped a plate? Is it a car backfiring? Is it a gun? Whatever. It will keep our attention on that thing until we have decided consciously or unconsciously that the date, there is no danger. Right. And that's a simple example of a, of a pattern interrupt. Um, and in the first episode of season four of stranger things, we have a character who's walking through some woods. Now there may be slightly creepy woods. It's sort of in the evening, I think. And, um, you know, there's trees everywhere, but they're fundamentally, they are a familiar environment to all of us, right? You know, woodland is a familiar environment. And then this character hears a noise and she turns around and in one of these massive trees is embedded, like deeply embedded, a grandfather clock, which is ticking and chiming and looking, <laughs> let's just say it's looking out of place, right? And that is a pattern interrupt. And it's a massively familiar kind of thing that happens in storytelling, right? We use that all the time because it grabs attention, because it gives us this sense of sort of paranoia or dread. I think uh, Angus Fletcher talks about it in his book, Wonderworks, which I've mentioned many times over the past six months. It's had a big impression on me, that book. And, you know, he talks about how when other comes into a familiar environment, it creates this sense of paranoia or, you know, I might say dread. In fact, the start, the very start of my, my fiction career, the first, the novella execution, the very start of that is a pattern interrupt. It's a, our hero is sitting at a bar in New York. It's not a nice bar. It's a dive bar. And he's sitting in there. He's hiding out effectively from from the law, the authorities, and into that bar, out of the rain comes this young woman. And she is a pattern interrupt because one look at her and he knows that she has no business coming into a bar like this with the kind of people who are in this place. And from that particular moment spins out the whole story, the story that fills that novella, the first novel, the second novel, and the theoretical third novel, which I'm working on at the moment. So that's a particular kind of pattern interrupts, but it's not the only kind. 
Because if we think about a pattern interrupt, it's something that, that is other in some sense. And another example is when we are in an unfamiliar environment and something familiar turns up. And in, in his book, in Wonderworks, Fletcher talks about how one of the things that the Christian church did back in the day was they kind of, uh, what would you say? They spiked the power of some pagan myths and stories by wrapping those stories in Christian messages. And I think the example he uses from memory, I think he talks about Beowulf, which of course is a, um, an ancient, um, story poem. And he gives an example of how somebody at some point changed the language of part of that, that poem, that myth to introduce a Christian idea. I think it was to do with the sin of pride or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but the point was they kind of, they wrapped this, this other thing in a familiar narrative. And, and the way he, he describes it was that it gave the, the readers of the time that sense of awe, because even in this pagan mythology, uh, my, my religion, my belief, my, my God is everywhere. He's everywhere. So they had this sense of awe. Now my, um, <laughs> my example is, is slightly less highbrow than that, I would say, but if you've seen Thor three, Thor three, uh, is Thor Ragnarok actually is called, you know, here, here we have, uh, a, a classic hero's journey, our hero, Thor, the God of thunder, this powerful God of thunder, uh, is catapulted into a, a, a magical world. And in this world, he is captured. He is essentially captured and he is forced to fight in an arena in a gladiatorial style arena, and he's got no way out and he's going to be forced to fight the, the planet's champion. He's on a different planet. This, this planet's champion who has this fearsome reputation as never being beaten. And obviously, <laughs> obviously Thor doesn't want to be there. They cut his hair. That's how bad it is. But there's a classic moment in that, in that movie where Thor is in this arena, he's been thrust into this arena and across the other side, there's thousands of, you know, uh, the audience of thousands sort of goes up the sides around him and he's baying for blood. And on the other side, these doors open. So this other champion can come in. And of, of course, if you've seen the film, you'll know it's the Hulk. It's the Hulk dressed in this kind of gladiatorial battle armor. And <laughs> Thor gets to, he gets to use this classic line. And he's shouting up at the people who've captured him. It's okay. I know him. I know him from work. And it's, I mean, it's the stupidest thing, but it's so funny. And of course he's talking about working. I'm using air quotes that you can't see with the Hulk in, uh, the Avengers in the Avengers movies. And there's a different kind of cognitive effect going on here. This isn't the same, even though it's a pattern interrupt, the Hulk coming out and being this familiar thing. It's not creating that sense of dread or paranoia. It's creating that sense of recognition of a kind of a lifeline back to something familiar. It's, it's creating a sense of hope. Now, Thor, <laughs> Thor's hope is short lived because he basically gets stomped by the Hulk. Um, but do you see what I'm, I'm talking about? There's a different kind. That's the opposite kind of pattern interrupt. In both cases, there's something different happening from what's going on. So it is a pattern being interrupted, but whether it's a, a familiar pattern or an unfamiliar pattern makes a difference. And if I was using this, uh, in an email or in a, um, you know, a piece of copy on a website, for example, 
I might use it to bring whatever argument I'm making back to something that that matters, that zeroes in on the customer's need or want or pain or whatever. You know, likewise, there's a there's an example at the moment of the second type, I would say, that's on my website. You know, if you've been listening for a few episodes, you'll have heard the, the Seth interview. Well, if someone comes to my website, it's an unfamiliar environment in some sense, right? Because if they're coming for the first time, they won't know me. But my kind of audience might well know Seth Godin. So they come to my website and if they scroll through a page or two, they're going to see this picture of Seth smiling and me smiling. And that will create a that same thing, that little thread back to things they know, that little hit of familiarity. And that's part of what I'm doing with that, you know, with that episode, with the the stuff that's on my website. It's about creating this this kind of connection. And obviously I get to benefit my brand or whatever you want, might want to call it, my reputation gets to benefit a little tiny bit from Seth's reputation and all the work he's done over, you know, 20 or 25 years. So I just wanted to talk about that because we see the first type in fiction, in films, in TV and in headlines, in writing quite often. But the second type, which is obviously more subtle, can be more useful if we want to bring people back towards us. We want to give them something, you know, it's like a it's, yeah, it's like a lifeline, a lifeline back to something they know. Wow, this is a 10-minute podcast, which is uh, longer than usual, so I'm going to wrap it up there. Remember that your story means business, and if you want to dig deeper into the stuff that I do, search online for story.business. Bye now.